Well, good morning again. And of course, we want to welcome our online campus and our campuses and our 13 correctional facilities that call Celebration Church home. It's an honor to be with you today. Come on, Celebration Westinghouse. Welcome everybody that's joining us today. Good to see you guys. And take advantage of all the things that are happening from the T-Factor Summit to the Man Night to Radiant Conference. All of that is available online or in the concourse. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at all of those events. And of course, next weekend, our Vision Sunday. Today, I want to pray for missionaries that are a part of our church. In fact, we are a missional church and we, well, how many years ago did we start the work in Mozambique now, Mel? Uh, the actual work started in 2007 and uh, then we ended up over there in 2010 to continue it. And then you and Diane were there for seven years. We were there for seven years. Uh -huh. And then when the children started to come into what age, what was their school age? We landed over there at 9 and 6, came back at 16 and 13. And now they're in college, Both so in college, they're out yeah. of the house, and now yeah. you're going back, yeah, going back to Africa. And uh, wh where's Matthew and Rachel? Are you guys in the left. service? Would you stand, Matthew and Rachel? Just stand right there. There they are. And um, if you want to be a mom and a dad to Rachel and Matt, they'll be standing after the service. They'll be glad... Do you want a mom and a dad? Do you want somebody to take you home? Or are you guys pretty happy that your parents are moving a couple thousand miles away? No? Okay. Well, we're praying for you. You may be seated. Thank you. So we're excited about what obviously is happening in Mozambique. When you went there, we didn't have anything. And now, how many people call Celebration Church home? The church and the campuses and then the school. Talk about the impact that we're having. Well, so when we first started, uh, we were... You asked us to go meet 10 people in the first year. And so we, uh, I was remembering after the first service, landing over there, we didn't know a single person, didn't have a home, didn't have a car, didn't know the language. And then we said goodbye. Didn't know yeah. the government. And Pastor Joe said, don't bother coming back. You don't have a, a position here. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. Make it work. Yeah. And so... What we're going back to now, uh, what was started underneath a tree with a couple of frying pans and 70 kids, we're going back to uh, five campuses. We've got a fully loaded school now starting the ninth grade, a couple million dollars worth of facilities yeah. over there. But I think the most important thing that we get to go back to is when we leave this family in Texas, we're going to family in Mozambique. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty remarkable testimony. Now you're going back overseeing our national leadership that literally the the pastor was a he was a salesman of what seashells and talk talk about our pastor there that now is yeah running he was actually um, the leader of all the um, all of the guys that would sell at the beach so um, yeah that's where he started and now he's a pastor and now he's the national pastor. And, um, yeah, he's, he's the leader over all of the guys. Yeah, so it's pretty cool to watch what God's doing with, uh, with them. And, of course, that's their goal was to raise up leaders from the country. And, uh, and so now we're just providing support, and you're going back. And how long have we said you're going back for? Do we know? Uh, we don't know. Okay. Yeah, all right. We'll get it done, and then thing. you can come back home. And you know, we've got to, get, we've got to lay the groundwork for the next 75 to 100 years. Yeah. What we can look back in history is churches have not, who have not done that well, after the second or third generation, after the missionary leaves, it becomes some synchronistic kind of debacle. 
and we are not going to stand for that through Celebration Church. There's a sound coming from this house that will permeate for the years to come. Well, we've had hundreds and hundreds of people go and take trips as we continually have our trips to Mozambique. So if you're interested in going to Shai Shai, just north of Maputo, you fly. We go from, uh, of course, Atlanta or wherever, and then we fly into uh, Johannesburg, and then there's an hour flight into Johannesburg. Or if you'd like to take the car... It's about an eight-hour drive if you want to risk your life. Well, you, you could drive from England. Yeah, or, or if you want to go all the way to yeah. England. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. That's fantastic. That. And so uh, we actually, in the first service, prayed for one of our young men, Zach Wolf, who uh, has grown up in our church and had a radical conversion to Christ while he was at Texas Tech. How many know if you go to Tech, you better get saved because it's either that or alcoholic. And so he got saved. And um, he is now going to be a missionary and moving to Mozambique with you guys. And uh, he'll be part of a, an internship program there as well. So we're excited. Church, let's pray for Mel and Diane and, and for Rachel and, and, and Matthew. Why don't you guys come join us real quick? Come on up. And I'm just going to start praying while y'all walk. Amen? Come on up here. Come on, give it up for Rachel and Matthew. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I think we need to do this while you guys are in the service today. Father, we just thank you for this family that has said yes to the call of God. Lord, their, their life is not their own. They have said, we, we love not our lives, even unto death. And Lord, there's a death. There's a, there's a dying to themselves. There's a dying to the family in the sense of what families allowed to do and being here together in the States and now what that means in this transition, in this season. And Lord, we say, God, be with them during this season. And Lord, I pray, be with Matthew, be with Rachel in this hour and in this time. That Lord, we, yes, might be physically separated, but spiritually we're not. Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are one. Lord, I bless them. We as a congregation pray over this new season, this mission. And Lord, we pray for great success. We pray, God, for great fruitfulness as you, Lord, send them even in a new day. Lord, we thank you for your hand over them, and we thank you for this family that says yes to the call of God. And all that God's people said, amen. Come on, let's thank God for the Staubers. We love you all. And if you want to take Matthew and Rachel out to lunch when they're in town, you're open for that? Gift cards to maybe Nordstrom's, Dor yeah, Dillard's? Amen. God bless you all. They'll be standing in the concourse waiting for you guys to meet them. All right, love you, Matt. Love you guys. Thank you, Mel. God is good. We are in a series of messages that we're calling Running Start. Today's our final of a three-part series. I want to I wanna get into what happened at Christmas. And um, many of you, of course, you know, your family's in town and we're all together. And, and one of the gifts that Connor, our son, wanted for Christmas and he, he got was a, he got a chessboard. Connor wanted a chess game, a chessboard, and he's now, he's become all things chess. And, um, and so he gets this chess board, and it's probably, you know, now about 4 or 5 o'clock, and he's like, Dad, look, you want to play chess? You want to try me? I said, yeah, I'll play. And he's just high-fiving his brothers, acting like, you know, I'm going to go down, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, just crash and fall at his feet and ask for mercy. And, uh, and so we, we play our first game, and he just, he just knows he's going to win, and it looked like he actually was going to beat me, and He's winking at his brothers, and uh, and how many know? You know, you just want to keep it family, and it's Christmas, but it starts to turn into a little bit more. And I grew up with a father that did play chess, and so 
I have not played in probably 20 years, but uh, I do remember how to play and, and, and what the chess pieces do. And, and so in that process of time, towards all of a sudden what looked like was going to be a loss, God just helped me, and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> turned it around, and I won. And so Connor's mad, and uh, I'm happy, and uh, I'm rubbing it in. And Well, he, he says, we're going to play again. I said, okay, that's fine. Well, he disappears, and he leaves, and um, about 20 minutes later, he goes, okay, let's go. Let's play. I said, all right. We sit back down, and he... I can tell there's something very plastic about his movements and very, very mechanical. And so we start playing, and he beat within a minute and 30 seconds, he beats me. I mean, checkmate. And I went, you got on YouTube, <laughs> and you learned to hack. You got a chess hack, didn't you? Uh, uh. I said, you didn't beat me. The hack beat me. Whoever you've been watching. And so you got to move exactly the way that he was watching on YouTube. And I just fell right into his hack trap. And now he's high-fiving his brothers and, and all this kind of stuff. I said, let's play again. Because I remembered I'm not going to make the same moves that I've made before to fall into your trap. Well, guess who won the third game? And I win. And what I want to set up as a conversation today, it's a little talk, is that what Connor did, rightfully so, in learning, learning this hack, and he, he learned this mechanical move, but what Connor failed to have was a relationship to the game. Now, he had a relationship to the hack, but he didn't really know the game. And so when I didn't fall into his trap, obviously I am the conqueror, I am the real champion in the family. But I use this by way of setup in that Jesus said, it is to your advantage, he says, that I go away for I'm going to leave you now, but I'm sending you a helper. Now, we know in John chapter 16, he says, I'm sending you a helper. We know that's not a hack. But what he is telling us is, I'm going to give you an advantage. I'm going to help you. I'm going to set you up. In other words, this whole series is called a running start. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm going to give you the ability to have an advantage over your opponent. And I'm going to go, and the helper will come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, he's going to convict the world of righteousness and sin and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. In other words, what he's saying is, when you open up your mouth, I'm going to do the convicting. You do the preaching, I'll do the convicting. You don't do the convicting, I'll do the convicting part. You just share the gospel. You share the good news. And then he says, and he goes, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose it to you as to what to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. What I want you to see is that Jesus is telling us that if you are going to run well, if you're going to have a running start, you can't run on your own power 
but you're going to have to run by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is saying is that this is the greatest life hack you'll ever have. This is going to be the greatest tool that man could ever have, and that is, of course, he is the person of the Holy Spirit. He's personal. He's relational. He is of the Trinity. But what he does do is he reveals, he discloses, and he brings, he brings out the Father's heart. He brings out the mind of God. So whenever you look in the scriptures, the Bible tells us as the earth was chaotic and confusing, there was a creation and then there needed to be a recreation. And in that recreation, the Bible says the Spirit of God was brooding over the surface of the waters. And then it says, and God said what? Let there be light. And I believe that when he said, let there be light, the manifestation, the Holy Spirit went to work. The activity of the Holy Spirit is to bring an expression of the mind of God to the earth. To bring an expression of the heart of God. An expression of the order of the kingdom of God. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the kingdom of God comes. The kingdom is just another word for the government of God. And when we have the Holy Spirit, when you and I recognize this power that Jesus said you must have, this is where the order comes. This is where the life comes. This is where the checkmate comes. Now, the difference between Connor and his hack is that Connor... He knew, he knew the hack, but he didn't have a relationship to the game. He, 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 next time, he's going to have to learn the relationship. So you, can't, you just can't use the Holy Spirit to hack into what you want. You've got to have a relationship to the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because for some of you to see or to even have the terminology of the Holy Spirit, some of you are triggered. Because you have in your mind a history of people in your life who went to a a full gospel church, a Pentecostal church, a spirit-filled church, a charismatic church, and when you hear about the power of the Holy Spirit, when you hear about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you have some weird people in your family that you know they will burn a house down. I always like to say the fire of God is good in the fireplace. God is the God who wants order. He's not a God of disorder, but he is a God of fire. But we also believe in the fireplace of God. We also believe, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that everything has to be done how? In decency and in order. What Paul writes about in those chapters 13 and 14, but in predominantly the 14th chapter, he was dealing with a very charismatic, spirit-filled church that did not have proper order of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you guys really need to learn how to walk this out. But when you walk it out, can I just tell you, there's no stopping the church. There's no hindrance to the church. There's no, there's no end to what God wants to do through the church. When the church embraces and understands that the God that we serve is the same today, yesterday, and forever. That the same power is available for us today and he's not weird and he's not strange and he doesn't take over your body and he doesn't make you do weird things and contort your body and start as we would hear the terminology holy rolling that's why we have concrete floors here today go and roll yourself 
down that concrete. We'll find out how holy you are. <laughs> had somebody last week, Pastor Joe, a prophet. After the last service, and one of the services, I said, that's awesome. How long have you been a prophet? He goes, about two weeks. <laughs> I said, okay, that's great. He goes, I got a word for you. I said, okay, well, let me get, you know what the Bible says. I said, you know, what the, you being a prophet and everything, right? I said, you know what the Bible says about prophets are subject to the prophets. That every prophecy has to be judged according to other prophets. You know where that verse is, don't you? Uh, uh. See, listen, we believe in all the power of the Holy Spirit, but everything has to be connected back to the Scriptures. Everything has to be connected to the Bible. Everything has to be in alignment with what is written. Now, I also know that God is a supernatural. And in fact, the Bible says God moved in unusual ways in the book of Acts. The Bible says in Acts chapter 19, he was moving in an unusual way in that Paul the apostle was taking handkerchiefs or aprons, and the Bible says he would, he would cut those aprons or cut those pieces of cloth, and the Bible says he would, he would send those prayer cloths out to the people, and the Bible says that people would be healed as a result of Paul praying over those cloths and those cloths touching the sick people. Now, what you don't find after that, you don't find Paul saying, I want every church to have a prayer cloth ministry. And he certainly doesn't say, and for $19.95, you can buy one of these prayer cloths. <laughs> All right, so now, if you want to buy a prayer cloth and help me pay for the rest of our paving of our parking lot, then praise the Lord, we'll work that out. But what you don't find is Paul manipulating or he doesn't make a doctrine, he doesn't make the church around a movement. Because the Holy Spirit may move, and then he may work, and he may do some supernatural things. We know Jesus, remember when he took spittle, or he spit, and then he out of the mud, and the spit and the dirt, and he made mud, and he made a mud cake, and he put it on people's eyes. He literally healed a person by spitting in their eye. Now, what you don't find is that Jesus said, now, anytime anyone has an eye problem, like me, make a mud cake. No, he doesn't do that. But what we do find is that there is just the ways of God. And the Bible says those who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. And sometimes the wind blows and you don't know where it comes from. You just don't know how it happens. In fact, can I just tell you, for those that are new to this church, this whole our whole church story came by way of just a Sunday morning. It is Austin. That's the word. It is Austin. I haven't heard from the word and from the Lord since. Because I knew what I'd heard. The Lord had told us very specifically. I said, Lori, we're moving to Austin. Now, there's been days I thought maybe he said it was Boston after a couple of days. <laughs> or it was just awesome. I'm probably going to get to heaven. The Lord said, I never said Austin. But because you were willing to move with the Holy Spirit, I covered your booty. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know the Lord will cover your booty? That's what the Holy Spirit does. But what I want you to see today, the takeaway is that God, He is a God that you and I do not have to be afraid of. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the revealer or discloses like the Bible tells us, not only in the account of the recreation in Genesis chapter 1, 
We know God disclosed to Moses through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon Moses and gave him the tabernacle pattern. You can read about that. And then you can read about David. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon David, and the Spirit of God came upon those that were involved in the building of the temple. It was the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, it came on very special occasions upon very special people. But in these days, even Jesus gives us the pattern. He says, I came up out of that water, and it says the Spirit of God came upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit filled him. How many know if Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit? You need the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, and the Spirit began to lead. The Spirit began to move him. And then we can go to the book of Acts, and the Bible even tells us that Jesus clearly said, do not start the church and do not leave Jerusalem until you get the ultimate life hack. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. For you shall receive power when he comes upon you. But we also know that there are people like myself who came out of what little church I had, what little background of church I had. I was, I was in high school a part of First Baptist Church in Natchez, Mississippi. And you don't get any more Southern Baptist than the First Baptist Church in Natchez, Mississippi. Brother Odin Puckett, Brother Puckett. And uh, I was a part of that church, and to this day, the pastor and people there are very dear and near to me. But what I never heard was, in fact, the same story in the book of Acts chapter 19. Watch this. Paul, he comes and he he asked these guys that are meeting. There's actually 12 guys in Acts 19. And the Bible tells us that Paul is coming. And I want that verse to go back up there, guys. You had it earlier. He says that while Apollos was at Corinth and Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus, he, he, found, he found disciples. Now, these are Christ followers. These men have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he said to them, did you guys receive the power? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. We, we don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, well, what baptism did you receive? Which means there's another baptism. They said, well, we were baptized into John's baptism. What is John's baptism? It's water. And then Paul said, oh, there's another baptism. There's another filling. And he said, John baptized you with the water of repentance but I'm telling you, the Lord wants you to be baptized with the, war, with the fire of God. See, one is in relationship to forgiveness. The other one is in relationship to your future. One is in relationship to what God did for you in your sins and the identification of his cross dying to yourself, being raised up to live in the newness of life. But the power of God is what Jesus said, oh, how I wish it was already kindled, how I wish the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, the fire of God was already spread throughout the earth. Because I'm here to tell you, many of us are like these apostles. Watch this. Let's finish that story. And they said, we don't know what you're talking about. And then Paul, the Bible tells us that he laid his hands on them. Next verse says, he laid his hands on them as they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and began to speak with tongues in the prophecy. And a lot of people go, oh, don't say tongues. Don't talk about prophecy. Don't talk about these gifts. All I'm doing is reading the scriptures. And here's what the Bible tells us. I believe that that has not ceased. We're not 
people that I believe when I read the scriptures. I have to believe, I read and I believe in the whole Bible. And I believe that the same Bible that says John 3.16 is the same Holy Spirit. If he says that in John 3.16, he's the same Jesus that said he will send us the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit does the drawing. We know no man. So when people talk about this, how do you come to the Lord? How do you come to the Father? Jesus said, no man can come to the Father except they're what? They're drawn by who? The Holy Spirit. So he's in the world. He's the one that does the drawing. He's the one that opens up our eyes to see who God is. Now, but Jesus said, but I'm going to send to you. And he told the church, he goes, but when I send the Holy Spirit, you're going to be filled with power. And this power is going to make you be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses beginning in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. You will receive dunamis. See, now we're talking about a different encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's like this. John's baptism is a type and a picture. How many of you have a water bottle up under your seat right now or a vodka bottle, whatever's inside of there? Oh, it's vodka. <laughs> no, it's not. Anyway, I mean, it's water. No, it's not. Anyway, so you put that bottle, you drink that water, that's, that's with measure. Now, Jesus said when he, the Spirit, comes, he's going to baptize you without measure. So that's a measure of water that comes inside of you into a measured or into a container that has an, an, a certain amount of room, a certain amount of ability or capacity. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he's talking about in Acts chapter 19 is, it's like into you going to the ocean and you getting into the ocean. You see the difference? See, one is where it is inside of you. The other one is you're inside of it. See, this is the difference between how many Christians, watch this, are with the Lord, but they're not for or inside of the Lord. I use the illustration, you can go to Dallas for most of the time by way of I-35 service road. Get off, kind of go down and just, you know how you can zigzag. You're with I-35, but you're not in I-35. How many know you can go faster? If you're on or in I-35, not going along I-35, you're going to hit stop signs and you're going to hit probably some U-turns. And then if you live long enough in Texas, you realize you just make your own road. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you just start driving off the road. We've got more off-ramps than any other city in the world or nation in the world because Texas is a nation. Come on, somebody. Oh, it's like, oh, oh don't, we don't get that started. <laughs> oh, and we're ready, Pastor Joe. I've got to keep it down. But many of us are wondering, why do we keep coming to stops and starts? Why, why aren't we getting, why aren't we flowing? Because y'all got off of what God wants us to have, and that is this power. That led Lori and I 22 years ago. Guys, we came by three words. It is Austin. That's it. Now, I'm not saying if you get a word that you just show up in the city and start doing it. There's preparation. There's, 
there's a preparing of the heart, we, and the, there's a history there. But the reality is, is that this, even this property that you're on is so supernatural. On a Sunday, it is, not only is it awesome, I said on a Sunday, believe in God for 100 acres, and guys, a couple in our church said, Pastor Joe, something in us leapt. We know that the Lord's going to use us to help find the property. And then a couple weeks later, they said, we're driving down I-35 out of Georgetown, going to the Round Rock, and as we're driving down I-35 at Westinghouse Road, we had a revelation. We both looked at each other and said, did you see that? And we saw in the Spirit a church on a hill up there with a cross. And we don't know who owns this property, but would we, in fact, are you interested in maybe us finding out who owns it? And I said, go for it. And that would start this journey of us knocking on the door of this little farmhouse that has now been torn down for our new neighbors that have just moved in. And little would we know that in 1942, Mr. Barton had bought this property and said one day that on this hill, 165 acres, but 110 of it will be used for a church that will reach the world. There will be tens of thousands of people that will come up to this hill. There will be a cross on this hill. And there won't, even ju- there won't just be a church that will reach the nation and the nations will come to this church. But there will also be a school that will train the next generation of leaders. Now, that being said, was started in 1942. Mr. Barton died in 1990. The family had kind of let that lie. They had a prayer meeting. And it was the next day we walk in and knock on the door and say, what do you think about who is the owner of this property? Because we're from Celebration Church. We'd be interested in buying this. See, you can't make that up. You can't. You cannot you cannot make that up. And if somebody says, Pastor Joe, I just don't believe the Holy Spirit's the same today. I, don't, I believe that ceased. I believe that stopped. I uh, can't say anything back to you, but you're dumb. <laughs> now, I wouldn't say that. But I'm just telling you. I also will tell you, you haven't been outside of America to see why the Southern Baptist Convention has embraced the Holy Spirit. Because what's happened is, through their missionaries, they go to foreign fields and realize they don't have a power that the witch doctors have. They don't have a power that demonic powers have. And they get over there and they realize, whoa, oh When they start hearing those drums, and Mel and Diane can tell you about the drums of the witch doctors. Boom, boom. When they know we're having church, they will be about a mile away and they start their worship of their witch spells and their, and their, and their various things that they start sacrificing animals to try to disrupt our church. You, you can't, you just, all of a sudden you realize, I need a hack. I need, a, I need something that is going to give me the advantage over the enemy. Now, Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Paul the Apostle, again, writing to the church in Galatia. He says, verse 1, little pleasant Paul, four foot six tall Paul, you foolish Galatians, you ignorant Galatians. How many know? How many would like your pastor to call you foolish, ignorant, stupid? He says, "You've been bewitched. Who has bewitched you?" That word there literally means 
who has put this spell on you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You know Christ was crucified. You know the cross of Christ has given us this power. And the power of God was portrayed and was displayed. As the Bible says, God demonstrated his love for us through the cross. But it wasn't just the cross, it was the resurrection. He goes, this is the only thing I want to find out from you all now. Did you receive the Spirit by the, by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? In other words, how did you get saved? Did you get saved because you're good and you worked out this goodness or you earned this goodness or you earned this salvation and you earned the gift of eternal? Did that happen because of, of you or did it happen because you just simply believed God? How many know it's Christ plus nothing? You, you, you don't do anything for it. How many know salvation is a gift, right? So he's saying, you heard and by faith you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not because you kept the works of the law, not because you were circumcised, not because you kept the 665 laws, if you will, from the Old Testament. You believed God like Abraham, and he believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteous. He was called righteous because he believed in what Christ did as the Lamb of God. Then he says, are you so foolish? Therefore, you began by the Spirit, but now you're going back to the flesh. You started this by the Spirit, now you're going back to the flesh. Did you suffer so many things in vain? When you first started, people were laughing at you, mocking you that you are now a Christian. And did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit, talking about God now, the God who has ministered to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? So what he's saying is, he goes, you know when you began, it was so supernatural. How many remember when God opened up your eyes supernatural? How many have that testimony? You know when you were saved, let me see your hand. If you don't, you need to have that encounter. I don't know when I got saved. What are you saying? I don't know. I'm going to call you out and say, let's talk about that. Because it's very possible that you're just someone that has wrote or this mechanical application to God. You are a hacker. <laughs> you don't have a relationship to God. You watch YouTube. And you just watch and you listen and you go to church, but then there's, no, there's, there's been no regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's called the witness of the Spirit of God. So that's why I can go to maybe some people, even in our church or even on an airplane, go, man, talk to me about your walk with God. I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Really? Talk to me about that. What's he done in your life lately? Uh, he does a lot of good things. I'm not really comfortable. I'm not comfortable to talk about God. Or when's the last time you've talked about God to people? That is something very private. See, now what I can tell and what the Bible proved is that there's no spiritual activity Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. There, there's a flow. 
And so the Bible tells us, he goes, guys, you once had a flow by the Spirit of God. And the Lord who ministers or who has given you the Spirit works miracles. Remember those miracles? Yeah. He goes, you're now going back by Judaism or back to Judaism. What he's saying is you're under the spell of philosophers and the academics who are talking the Holy Spirit right out of you. You're listening to the academics. You're listening to the religious who will dry you up and who will talk faith right out of you until their son and daughter's lying flat on their back at St. Jude Hospital in need of a miracle. Until they need to hear from the Lord. Until we are having need of God. See, listen, the Holy Spirit, I have to believe. God wants to do something. And I'm going to tell you, the day and the age that we're living in, you're going to need the Holy Spirit more than ever before. He's not weird. He's not strange. He doesn't make you bark. doesn't make you a dog. Oh, Pastor Joe, I barked when I first received the Holy Spirit. I barked like a dog. I said, well, every dog message in the Bible is always negative. Every dog message in the Bible is in relationship to a curse and darkness. I think we're created in the image and the likeness of God. He doesn't make us an animal. He makes us sons and daughters. I've had, I've had people, listen, this almost talked me out of all of it. Pastor Joe, when you come to our church, it's like a zoo. People turn into all sorts of animals. I said, fly on out of my life. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm going to get a hunting license and come up in here and just kill all y'all. What am I trying to say? Well, look at Paul. He goes on to say in Galatians chapter 5, we're almost done, verse 7. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you? Who hindered you? You were, you were, you were flowing with God and that flow stopped because you let people talk you out of the reality of the Holy Spirit. So we learn in the book of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins. They took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, five were prudent. It doesn't say five were bad and five were good. It just says five were foolish, five were wise or prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took what? They took no oil with them. But the prudent took or the wise took oil in their flask along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. That word there, drowsy, means they began to nod. Like some of you I'm watching right now. <laughs> and we'll find out if you're wise. And they began to sleep, like some of you are right now doing. Verse 6, but at midnight, Pastor Joe shouted. It says, but at midnight, behold, there was a shout, the bridegroom come out to meet him. And then all of those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent, the wise answered and said, no, there's not enough for us, for you too. Go instead to the dealers. There's an oil dealer down the street in Round Rock. Go buy some for yourself. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and they were 
The Bible says, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, hey. And he answered, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Watch this. All virgins. All had lamps. All went out to meet the Lord. All got sleepy or drowsy. We could go through all. All of them. All of them. All of them had a fear of God. Watch this. All of them had a, had a desire or well-intended to see the Lord. How many have all the intention to go to heaven? Let me see your hand. Is there anybody here that says, I don't have any intention of going to heaven? Okay. All had this intention. But watch, what was the difference? It was the oil. Now, where was the oil? The oil wasn't in the lamp. Some of you might have one or you have had one when you went to the last football game. It's in a flask. You ever, had a, you ever taken a flask? Come on. Let me see your hand. Let me tell you how bad we were at LSU playing football. We had, we had football players with flask in their sock. That's LSU right there now. I'm just going to tell you. That's why we were so good. But all, listen, I like talking to people for real. My mother, when we had my brother's wedding, I was just seven years old at the Methodist Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, one of the rules was no alcohol allowed in the wedding reception hall. Seven years old, my mother says, go out into my car. And I want you to get those two half gallons of Taka Vodka. Put them in this bag and bring them to me. Seven years old, I'll go out there and i get those two half bottles. I bring them to my mama and she sticks them up on her dress. And she goes over to the punch bowl. See, now you know why I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm like a good game warden. I know how poachers think. I'm just going to tell you right now. My mother turned that wedding into a party. The Holy Ghost came down upon that, the spirit of Taka. Now, Jesus said, I'm going to ask for the worship team to come because we have have spirit activity after this <laughs> called food and football. Um, the Bible says that, that they carried flask with them. You know what that tells you? That the wise had, the oil wasn't in the lamp, the oil was in a flask. Flask are for and a type and a picture of a secret relationship to God. Flasks are for the purpose of Having it in secret. Does anybody have a flask with us right now? I'm just curious. I, I would love, I, I pray that we do. I would just, and no, seriously, I'm going to bless, I'm going to give you $100 if you have a flask. I'll give you, no, I'm not kidding. I'll give $1,000. You got a flask. How many would like to help me raise $1,000 just to see the flask? I'm telling you, that would be awesome. See, listen, this is why you need to come to celebration. They're not talking about this at other churches. I'm just telling you right now. But what they had was a flask, which means that flask denotes or relates to that these, these wise people understood 
that had to have some secret history with God through the Holy Spirit. They needed this. They carried it with them because they knew by themselves they weren't going to make it. How many want to make it? How many want to, I mean, you want God to do what he can only do. And the spell, the witchcraft spell, literally what he's saying is Galatians, the Galatian church had been put under a witchcraft spell. Here's the real spell. You go back to the flesh. You leave the spirit and you go to the flesh. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 that the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. You cannot know God, nor can you walk with God for very long in the natural. You're going to have to have a relationship to the Holy Spirit. Let's read that verse, verse 14 to 15, actually. 1 Corinthians 2, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. He can't understand them because they are spiritually appraised. They're spiritually tapped into. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. I'm going to tell you, you will run well when you allow the Holy Spirit to run your life. You will have a running start when you allow the Holy Spirit to start your life. You don't have to be afraid of Him. He's real. He's here to do something in our lives that we are all unaware of. We need the supernatural presence of God because you and I know, you don't know what you're going to face when you leave your house every day. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the revealer of secrets. I want the Lord to say, I don't need you right now to go into that, go that grocery store. I want the Holy Spirit to say, don't you get on that airplane. I don't, want, I, I, I don't want to walk through this world by myself. That's why the Bible says, walk by the Spirit. And you will not fulfill what? The lust or the desires of the flesh. Every bad purchase you've ever made is because you walked by the flesh and not by the Spirit. Every decision that you made that was foolish was not because of the Spirit. It was the flesh. As we close this time in our series, first I want to say this. You can't have the Spirit until you're His son or His daughter. Because the Bible says in Exodus chapter 30, the oil is a type of a picture of the Holy Spirit. It never was to go on a stranger. It had to go on a son. It had to go on a family member. First and foremost, you've got to be a family member to have this power. And number two, once you receive Christ, the Bible says this is an available gift for us. It's available. And it doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you strange. It doesn't make you the person at work that everybody runs away from because all of a sudden you got purple hair and big Bibles. It actually makes you more effective. Because when the Bible says the Spirit of God fell upon the church in the book of Acts chapter 2, they were able to communicate in other people's language. And they were able to connect to people in a way that they had never heard before. And they go, this is strange. How are these people connecting to us speaking our language? So that's what the Holy Spirit does. It gives us the ability to connect to people. But I want to lead us all into a simple prayer even before we go any further. Can we just stand to our feet today? I feel impressed to say this. Everything that we can tell you that we've seen in the 22 years of celebration. Guys, the reason why our church is 50% more now than it was a year ago. We had almost 3,000 new people in our church from the year previous. I'm going to tell, tell, tell you what it is. It's just the Spirit of God. 
People are wanting strength. People are wanting life. And if you want, if you want self-help, that's on YouTube with Connor. You and Connor can just go and do your self-help chess game, but you're going to get checkmate. We need God to make those routes. What do you think led Israel out of Egypt? The pillar of fire and the cloud. What do you think that was? The Spirit of God. Leading them across the Red Sea. Leading them out of Egypt into the promised land. I'm telling you, He's here. But I want to pray first that we would all first, if you don't know Christ, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Can we just say this out loud? Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to be saved. I must see you to be saved by you. I see you today, Jesus, as my Savior, my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. And I see that you died for me on that cross. And you were buried in that grave. And I see that you were raised from the dead. Cause my heart to see this. Cause my life to see this. That from this moment on, I make that transfer. I don't belong to myself. I belong to you. Thank you for saving me. And I ask, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, fill me with all that you have. In Jesus' name. One more time, can we just sing this song, this little part right here? There is power. 